Hey everybody, I'm Jesse Neal and welcome back to my podcast, This Is Not About Your Body. I have a bit of an apology to make for the last, I think, like four episodes of my podcast because I recorded them before going on vacation and um, apparently I messed up the mic so that I was recording into my computer mic and I was facing the wrong direction and basically they're trash. And my wonderful uh, partner and editor did his best to make the sound okay, but I'm fully aware that it still was kind of rough. So I'm back on my nice mic. I have fixed the problem. I apologize because I am not a tech person. I run a successful online business and I am a writer despite not knowing anything about computers or technology. And this has been true for like the entire time I've been doing this. So anyway... Now my audio should be better, and I apologize to any uh, sensitive auditory people out there, which I know there are a bunch of you. And uh, yeah, so today I want to talk about a connection that I'm making lately, Uh, been obsessing over, thinking is so interesting, about purity and body image and how this shows up in other spaces, particularly around covid Uh, and anxiety. So I'm just going to start by saying something that I've known for a long time with body image was that for some people, the big draw to dieting particularly, or to controlling their diet, I should say, it's not necessarily just restriction, but it's about like, you know, their relationship to food comes down to purity. In the same way that, you know, I think we culturally used to have sexuality come down to purity. Uh, particularly with like religious values of virginity and all this stuff. And we still see this in certain circles, although plenty of people don't buy into it and are more sex positive now. We certainly saw for a really, really long time that women especially were deemed impure and are still sometimes deemed impure if they have sex before marriage. And there's this idea of what that impurity means. And, you know, the, the kids who get the kind of education that is abstinence only around sex and sexual health, they basically learn like, you know, people are chewing up pieces of gum and then handing it back to kids and saying, would you want to chew this piece of gum, this like used up piece of gum? Well, that's what a girl is like after she has sex before marriage. But then, you know, weirdly, conversely, she's supposed to understand that once she's married, sex can be this beautiful, pleasurable thing. None of it makes any sense to me. Um, You know, I get so angry and outraged when I hear these kinds of stories in my clients past but there's no denying that there culturally used to be a big way that we were um, sort of asked to comply with the rules and the rules were purity culture the rules were religious values the rules were you know don't don't do anything that feels good pretty much don't act on your human impulses definitely don't have sex and uh all of that was kind of uh enforced through religion and now we're not really uh most of us i should say outside of certain segments which totally still are most of us are not ruled in that same way by religion we're not um it's not being culturally enforced the same way unless it's in your little culture your like you know, community, for example, it's unlikely that you would come away from your relationship with sex at this point with the idea that to have sex before marriage makes you dirty and impure and, you know, used up and disgusting. 
Although, I mean, still there is a lot of sex negativity and stigma in different ways. Like that as a baseline is unlikely to culturally control you, meaning you probably will have a lot of support for having sex from various parts of your life and then maybe a little bit of stigma coming in in other areas or in other ways like stigma around women's pleasure or masturbation, stigma around um, STIs, stigma around, uh, you know, being a slut, that kind of thing where it's like you're, you're too sexually active. But on the other hand, there's just a lot more freedom and a lot more of a sex positive um, spin than there was decades ago in terms of the idea that like you can be a totally healthy, happy person who is sexually active before you're married. It doesn't make you impure. That said, over the last couple of decades, something that has risen to a level of cultural enforcement is diet culture. So at this point, you are very likely, extremely likely, no matter what community you're in, to be um, asked essentially to be policed by the rules of diet culture, which means, interestingly, a lot of people have shifted their... um, sort of sense of purity from sexuality and religion ideas of it to diet and wellness culture's idea uh, idea of it. And I see this in my clients a lot who have uh, religious and sexual purity in their backgrounds, meaning they grew up on this stuff, but then maybe grew out of it. What they grew into often was diet culture and body image issues. So there's this sense that their body is still impure, not because they decided to have sex necessarily, but because they, you know, eat sugar or they eat too much or they eat carbs or they eat meat or, you know, whatever it is. The thing that they have decided is impure that feels impure to them, the shift in desire to be pure has gone from all abstain until marriage to I will cut out carbs or I will be vegetarian or I will not eat sugar or whatever the thing is. So there's this weird shift and this weird connection that I see in my clients all the time. And I noticed this a long time ago. So this has been like really present. And in terms of person to person, the reason and the connection and what we do about it is pretty individual. But a lot of times we can unpack the sort of philosophical relationship to purity and a lot of good can come of that. So for example, if you start exploring your ideas around what it means to be pure or perfect, um, especially if you have the religious and sexual purity piece of your history, and how that applies to your your relationship to your body now, there's a lot of good that can come from that. Um, because really, what does it mean? Like, there is no such thing as a pure body. You know, it didn't really exist around virginity. You don't have a purer body before you have sex than after. Uh, and it doesn't exist around diet. You can't have a purer body if you cut out sugar than you do if you have sugar. A body is a body. It is neither good nor bad. It is neither... Um, toxic nor pure. Like these are just, these are nonsense ideas. What you can have is a body that feels better or feels worse. You can have a body that is sending you signals that you want more or less of something. You know, all that's true, but there is no objective definition of what pure means. And one person is going to feel like garbage on another version's, another person's version of, of pure, you know? So, I, I definitely invite anybody who's experiencing like a feeling of wanting to be pure in their diet in relationship to their weight or body. Like I invite them to explore this philosophically and just see what comes up because it's usually pretty interesting. 
Um, also, sometimes the word pure doesn't necessarily resonate with people. And I've yet to come up with a better one, but often perfect will be the other way that people resonate. And a lot of times my high achievers, meaning um, one of the four body image avatars that I talk a lot about in my work, um, the high achiever will be the one who has this moral binary of good and bad, toxic and perfect or like pure and impure. So the high achievers tend to be the ones who I notice this happen the most with. And it's just worth exploring. Like when you believe in a moral binary of good and bad, of course, every food is either good or bad. If you believe in, you know, righteousness and sin or whatever, then yes, every decision is going to come loaded one or the other. And likewise, if you believe in toxic or um, pure foods, then it's going to feel the same way. And it's made up still, but it doesn't change the fact that it's going to affect you very much in a real way, you know, multiple times a day. So it's an important thing to look at. That said, there's also something, uh, another aspect of this that I notice is it has to do with anxiety and it has to do with specifically management of anxiety. Now, part of the reason this ties into the philosophy of pureness or perfection or toxins or whatever is that a lot of people are really anxious about toxins and imperfections and sin and badness because they come from that moral binary, like that, that everything and everyone is either good or bad. When you have that, it's very easy to see and, and to get very anxious about anything that sort of threatens your status as possibly making you bad. And so then there's a lot of guilt. Obviously, we see a lot of guilt in religion. There's also a lot of guilt in diet culture when people are doing things they think might threaten their status as good. Because again, there's only two options and there's no gray area. There's no middle ground. So like everything is moralized everything makes you feel guilty pretty much or superior, which is the other thing that it will make you feel and is also not particularly good for anyone uh, going around feeling superior or guilty all the time. But this is how people feel, especially in diet culture and exactly like we saw with religion, people who do it right and follow the rules feel superior to everybody else and people who are unable to follow those rules for whatever reason feel guilty all the time. And that's pretty much it. You, you really only do have those two choices. So the anxiety around every decision being potentially something that threatens your status as a good person and potentially makes you fall into this category of sinner or lazy or whatever other moral failing and badness is part of your system of thinking, it's going to cause anxiety. And this is where a lot of people say, oh, I, I feel better when I work out every day. Like if I don't get my run in the morning, I feel just awful. I, you know, I, I can't think straight. It's a terrible day. What they're describing sometimes is a little bit of the, you know, the endorphins boost and the sort of physiological effect of exercise. But a lot of it is actually just quelling anxiety because they feel like they did something good in the morning so they can relax. Whereas on a day that they skip it, they feel like they did something bad. So they feel guilty all day. So in that example, we can see they might feel more more sort of um, morally good and pure and uh, whatever other, you know, adjective they might use for themselves that day. They might see their body as more pure. They might be more inclined to eat healthy because it's like my body was a temple this morning because I went for a run or whatever it is, you know, there is this link to the idea that they did things right and so they're good and so they can relax today. And if you did things wrong in the morning, you're going to be stressed out all day because you are bad, you have failed, you're impure, you're dirty, any of these things, you know? And a lot of times this language doesn't necessarily mirror what comes up in a person's mind. Like they might think lazy instead of dirty. 
But when we dig into it in my client work, a lot of times it's the same thing. You know, I'll say, what, what is the issue? What does it feel like in your body? And a lot of times they, they come up with descriptions of something like an impure or unclean body after they, you know, ate dessert or after they skipped a workout. And there's no reason for that other than moralizing binary thinking. Because there really isn't anything more impure about your body on a day that you rest versus a day that you went for a run. There isn't. But it can feel that way to people. And this is why. And the thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is the way that this plays into anxiety with relation to things like, um, I guess with COVID is something that I'm seeing a lot of, you know, that there is a sort of desire to stay um, safe. From, well, okay. First of all, before I say any of this, I just want to share that I'm, I'm sort of musing on a topic and I, I am vaccinated. I believe COVID is real. Like I'm not trying to in any way encourage people to, um, not be anxious about COVID or to go that direction. I just want to say that there is definitely something happening here. Culturally, the fear and anxiety around COVID mirrors a lot of the fear and anxiety that I see among my clients around food and body stuff, which mirrors a lot of the anxiety that we used to see culturally around um, is sex and pleasure and is luckily starting to change. And the reason I think it's important to look at this is because fear and anxiety control us. You know, they, they make us follow the rules. They make us shrink ourselves. They make us hide. They make us shut down. They make us shrink, you know, into ourselves instead of taking risks in the world. Like they, they determine a lot, you know, and in some ways that's appropriate. It's appropriate to be afraid of getting sick when there is a virus running through our culture. It is also perhaps, you know, back in the days when uh, these kinds of rules made sense before birth control and stuff, maybe it made sense to be anxious about having sex before marriage because what the hell are you going to do? You know, you couldn't keep yourself from getting pregnant. So it's, it maybe was more appropriate back then to be um, sort of stifled in that way to make sure that you didn't end up with children you couldn't take care of or whatever. So all of these things are things that I, I kind of have been watching and just thinking about these parallels and I think it's really interesting. Um, but I think back to, well, first of all, I have clients with OCD who describe this to me, um, the, the desire for purity all the time. So there's also that link to OCD. And obviously it's more exaggerated and it interferes with daily functioning for someone who has OCD. But ultimately it's not like a completely foreign experience for most of us to understand the urge to soothe through purifying. And I don't necessarily mean purifying because, again, language here is kind of tricky. I don't have better language for it. But what I think about is when I was little, I was like three years old before I was in school and we had story time at the place that I, I don't know, went, went daycare or something. And I remember being so, so little and just listening to the stories. And I really liked when people read to us. So I really enjoyed all of this. What I would do is I would sit there and I would make things perfect in my, usually in my clothes or in the rug or whatever was near me. And it was a intuitive self-soothing, right? So like I would be listening to this book and I would be fixing my shoelaces to make sure each little thing lay flat. Or I would be um, taking the wrinkles out of my pants, my pant legs, you know? I would like straighten and smooth until everything was de-wrinkled and I would re-roll the bottom so that everything was as crisp and, and perfect as possible. And I have done this in every other aspect of my life, you know, it, it brings me pleasure 
to sort of straighten things into rightness. And I don't have a word for this feeling that it gives me other than soothing or a feeling of rightness. Or sometimes I will honestly think like there is a there is a purity to it. There is like a ah, everything where it belongs feels like feels cleaner, mentally cleaner. You know, it's like, I don't have to look at all these wrinkles on my jeans anymore because they're all straightened out. Ah, that feels good. There's something really pleasurable about it. Now, OCD is something totally different because it takes you to a place where without those things, it's difficult to function without whatever, um, straightening and, and perfection you're seeking, you know, things are really, really difficult for you, or you feel really afraid. Um, so there is that negative consequence that's attached to it. But again, when we really talk about what both sides of this are doing, it's, it makes no sense. You know, who cares if there's wrinkles in your pants, but like one person might need to get rid of every wrinkle in order to feel safe that day. And the other person might get rid of every wrinkle to feel like, a nice, pleasant sense of control over her life as a little child. And both of them are doing something. And there's something about the purity of no more wrinkles. There's something about the soothingness of everything being where it belongs. And it links in my mind very deeply to the same urge to not eat sugar because it's toxic. And it links very deeply to the same urge to not you know, uh, sully yourself by having sex or whatever you've been taught um, in a sex negative place. So it, it has to do with these things of being right and following a certain kind of rule, whether that rule is externally enforced or internally um, motivated. There's something about it just feeling right and not having more mental noise around it. Like I like minimalism for the same reason. I like walking into a room that is decluttered and sort of um, mentally quiet. It feels good. And for most of us, it will. And likewise, if I walk into a really cluttered room, I'm going to feel like my brain is a little bit noisier in a way that is probably a little bit annoying, maybe kind of agitating. So there's something to this. Everything is quiet. Everything's where it belongs. And I've worked with clients who have Um, OCD who really, really struggle with this because their body image issues are all wrapped up in this sense of, of noisy brain, you know, and fear of bad things happening if things aren't in the right place. Um, And there's, you know, there's a lot of frustration and pain in that because most of the time things aren't going to be perfect. I'm looking around my room right now and I've got like piles of tissues because my, I don't have a trash can yet. And I've got like clothes all over the floor, like nothing in my life ever looks the way that I would imagine a nice, um, mentally quiet life would look. And I'm fine with that. You know, this is just life. It's messy. It's in the middle, whatever. Um, but I think that there's something about the striving for perfection in areas where we, I don't know, learn that it's appropriate, such as diet culture, that people don't want to live in the middle. You know, they don't want it to be the messy in between. They want one area of life to be just freaking perfect. They want one place that is mentally quiet and pure. And I think it makes sense in some ways. If you're very anxious in general, you have a louder, noisier brain, you're going to seek more and more of these quiet places. Something like I don't eat sugar and I go for a run every morning is going to appeal to you a whole lot more, you know? And I noticed this for myself in ways like... um, I cut split ends out of my hair, like 
somewhat compulsively. Like it's not really compulsive exactly, but I just, I like to do it. Whenever I find one, I go get my scissors and I, you know, I hold it up to the light and I cut out my split ends. I do this all the time and it feels really soothing to me in a, in a very similar way that I think it used to feel soothing to me to count macros. You know, it's like I have a sense of control in my life because I can cut my split ends out or I have a sense of control in my life because I'm doing a face mask. People tell me that all the time. Face masks are a big thing for people who are trying to seek that feeling of purity and perfection and having some control and quieting the noise in their mind. So whether you do a face mask or cut out split ends or go on a juice cleanse or, you know, clean up your, your house or apartment when you're stressed, the end result is the same. There is a feeling of quiet and rightness when stuff is where it belongs and when you have taken some kind of action to put it there. So I just think there's something about that that like I want to reflect on and invite you to reflect on um, because Ultimately, a lot of our urges to change our bodies or to change our food and exercise habits come down to a desire to soothe anxiety and offer ourselves a feeling of agency, power, and control over our lives. You know? And again, this is particularly true for my high achievers. But if you struggle to feel control, if you feel like things are out of control, it can just be unbelievably satisfying to you know, um, do the face mask and pull out all of the little junk in your pores or to, uh, clean up your, you know, do laundry and put everything away and, and have a like really neat home. These are things that offer you those, those feelings. And also buying a bunch of healthy food and deciding to eat healthier offers a similar plan of action that gives you a feeling of control and rightness that can soothe that anxiety. So if you find yourself drawn to these things, if it's compulsive particularly, like meaning if you feel like you have to or you'll be really anxious or really uncomfortable, um, examine those things. If you feel like you have to work out every day in order to feel okay, if you feel like you have to eat a certain way or not eat a certain way in order to feel okay, examine those things. Ask yourself if there's any self-soothing happening in that behavior. Ask yourself if there's any um, anxiety around Something that involves purity in there. Like, is there germophobia somehow uh, linked to this? You know, is there a feeling of impurity around certain foods or behaviors or whole concepts, you know, whole philosophies of life that you're, you're buying into? Like the idea that masturbating makes you dirty or something, you know. Um, really check in on what the purpose of these behaviors are and if they have any relationship to perfection equals um, less mental noise. And if so, I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but if it's linked up with negative body image or it's linked up with compulsive behaviors that, you know, you feel sort of beholden to, there's probably some work to be done in there. So I just wanted to invite that conversation and also just to recognize that, you know, there's a lot of anxiety in our culture right now for so many reasons. And the pandemic has been a huge source of anxiety for like everyone on every side of every argument. There is just massive anxiety. And so, you know, if we think about like the ways in which we self-soothe when we are past our window of tolerance for anxiety, it's no wonder that body image is one of those things that is 
really spiking high for a lot of people. Like, yes, you may be working from home, which might help mitigate it. But then when you go out with a friend or something, all of a sudden it's really, really loud. That's something I'm hearing from my clients a lot. Sometimes it's attached to specific things like, you know, um, fear of social contact leading to COVID or um, fear of people thinking you've gained weight or knowing you've gained weight. Sometimes it has that kind of particular feeling and sometimes it doesn't. It just feels like sort of overblown, ah, everything's scary. And what a lot of people are turning to is little behaviors at home usually that are offering them some sense of self-soothing, a feeling of control and power over their lives. Um, And a lot of that stuff has to do with the body. You know, whether you're cutting out split ends from your hair like I am and doing face masks or whatever to, you know, exercising too much, pushing yourself to um, not eat things that you think are impure or like, you know, whatever it is for you, it just has to be looked at gently. And as everything I ever talk about on here, um, inviting a lot of curiosity and compassion into the, into the exploration for yourself. Um, the last thing I want to say about this is if you resonate with the high achiever, um, or really if you resonate with any of my body image avatars, I am opening up the enrollment for my next round of the avatars project, which is an eight week course that you can sign up for now going to, um, my website, jessineeland.com or link in my bio, um, on Instagram at jessineeland. And basically, the course is designed to teach you about the four body image avatars and the system that I use to help people go from body image suffering to body neutrality. And if you resonate with any of this, you will be a great candidate for this, this program, this course, because we talk about each of the body image avatars and some of the patterns that come up for them and what that looks like. And this is just one of them. So I happen to be able to talk about it now. Um, we start mid-February uh, 2022. So if you are interested in that, you can go ahead and either shoot me a message or sign up. And that's it. I hope this was um, helpful or at least interesting to you. And I would love to hear your thoughts. So feel free to come on over to my Instagram and shoot me a DM um, if this uh, resonates or if you have any thoughts. That's it. Have a beautiful day.